the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Welcome to AM560, The Answer is Black and Right. I'm your stand-in host, Nick Richmond, joined in the studio with my amazing co-host, Jeannie Ives, as well as one of our first guests for today, Rick Coletti of Coletti's Restaurante. You know me as the president and co-founder of Matrix Home Solutions. If you listen to the station, I'm sure you've heard our ads plenty of times. You see our logo here in the studio. You may have heard me as a guest on the show of episodes past. Or maybe you heard me speak at the Freedom Summit last year in Fontana, which is really the thing that got me more uh, in line with John Anthony, my good friend John Anthony. By the way, happy anniversary, John Anthony and Deborah. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day. I'm not here today to promote my business, and, and nor are we being paid to be here. We are here today because we are concerned about the direction of this nation and the toxic ideals that are being adopted by so many of our, of our fellow Americans who appear to be under a spell of some sort. And here's the thing. Most people listening for the next two hours are going to agree and get excited with everything we have to say for the most part, right? What's impactful is if those listening to the show become inspired to create a dialogue with someone who may not agree with them in a civil discourse, right? So that maybe they can be educated on the importance of the basic fundamentals of this nation, what made this nation the greatest nation on earth. And they may have to take off their hatred of Donald Trump for a minute so that they can actually open up their eyes and pay attention to what's happening right now, which is that America is under a progressive, secular left, what appears to be anti-freedom government. And it's going to make a major impact on our livelihood if we don't wake up and start to have some dialogue with people, right? So I'm excited to be here to have that dialogue with some amazing guests But before we get into all of that, I want to welcome my co-host. She has quite the resume. She graduated from West Point, served in the U.S. Army, was a former member of the Illinois House of Representatives for the 42nd District, and even ran for governor. Yeah. And now she's the CEO and co-founder of Breakthrough Ideas, which is an amazing advocacy group um, that I'd love to have you share a little more about that with everyone. But Jeannie, what are you adding to your resume now? What have you been up to? (laughs) Well, we've been running Breakthrough Ideas. It's a suburban-focused organization uh, because we just can't believe that 51% of the people want the craziness uh, that you have right now. We firmly believe that people don't know enough about the policies and the decisions being foisted on them by distant politicians that... um, you know, obfuscate the truth, don't say what's really going on. And so we're there to connect the dots on policy. I've always been a policy person. I've worked with both sides of the aisle when I served in the state legislature over core policy issues, uh, did not make it personal, as many people are wont to do. So 
uh, you know, there's a big lack of policy uh, information. And so we're there to connect dots on policy. And I'm glad uh, John Anthony connected us. You know, I'm just an everyday Joe business owner, entrepreneur like like Rick Coletti here. And, you know, you've been in politics. You understand the name of the game. And it was a pleasure to get to know you when we had lunch a few weeks ago and really get to know you as a person. And I know that you and I both and and Rick and hopefully all the people listening, as well as the guests who are going to be joining us, can appreciate the importance of the subject of today's show. The show will be different today. It's really a show built around a subject that we all believe is extremely important and that people need to hear more about. It could even be something that unifies people. I believe that this is the the subject that should be important to everyone, Mm -hmm. not just us. And that subject is the American dream. So today's show is going to predicate all around the American dream. We're going to be talking about how the American dream, from our perspective, is under attack. And we're going to put forth facts. And we're going to talk about examples that make this not just a conspiracy theory, but a reality that we're facing. Yes. So, you know, uh, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, you put together this entire show for two hours, which is focused on the American dream. And I wanted to tee it up to to people who follow me on Facebook and all that. I said, well, first I said, uh, you know, the American dream is it dead or alive. Right. And I thought, well, that's kind of negative. So instead, I, I said, you know, what's its future? That is really the question of the day. What is the future of the American dream? What does that look like? How do you define it? Is it the same type of American dream that was at our founding, uh, that was there after the Civil War, that was there through World War II? Is it the same American dream? Or have people changed? Well, who gets to decide if that the American dream is going to be reimagined? I mean, from my perspective, there's a pretty clear declaration of independence and there's a constitution that spells out what the American dream is all about. Is that, am I? No, you're, you're right. It's, but it's what is the expectation of the new generations coming forward? What's their expectation? I think that maybe it's changed and we haven't recognized it. But, mm-hmm. f- but if whatever we do on that side, we have to recognize that the American dream is founded in our constitution, that it is immutable in many cases that those are that's that that our constitution follows natural law which is about governing yourself and personal responsibility and everything else but and so it's one thing to say that we we are we are a nation of of individuals brought Mm -hmm. together by a core constitution um and so the american dream can mean different things to different people but we cannot have government usurp that American dream for what everybody else wants. My question is, what does the next generation see as the American dream? Now, I think that's a good perspective. And I, I think that about that, too. But I also go back to the beginning mm-hmm. to look back at history, which is also, you know, they're making an attempt to reimagine and rewrite history. But when I look back on history, I always try to ask myself, what, what are the fundamentals? You know, there's a lot there for interpretation, but then there's some pretty black and white points there in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that define right from wrong, you know, that make it abundantly clear that while you're free and there's equality of opportunity, equality of outcome is not guaranteed and that freedom can't coexist with equality of outcome. Those two things can't live in the same equation. Would you agree with that? Uh, well, I, I I absolutely agree. I, I mean, it gets to me, though, it's like, you know, it used to be thought the American dream is own your own business, own your own home, retire securely, mm-hmm. all of that. 
Does the next generation prefer to be very minimalistic, just rent to every place they go? Do they not? Would they rather have big corporate or big government take care of them? And they're just satisfied if they, as long as they they can afford their Netflix Flix, uh, subscription and, uh, you know, uh, have their social media accounts there. I, I mean, I, I don't know. That's that's my question. Is it is that the American dream? How, how has it changed? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a complacency factor, right? I mean, complacency can kill and destroy a business. It can destroy a family. It can destroy a nation. And when you become complacent and you take things for granted, which tends to happen, mm-hmm. you see that the quality of life begins to erode. And, you know, the American dream should be important <laughs> to everyone, right? Because you're ultimately responsible and you're in charge of whatever that's going to look like. I was like. just with Bob Woodson on Thursday night at an event up in uh, Lake Geneva. And he he could not be more adamant that for black American families, the American dream to some degree was very much destroyed by twenty two trillion dollars in welfare payments over the last 50 years and that the black American family is much uh, not as well off as it used to be. And um, so for them, the American dream has not been achieved uh, through the welfare system. And so he he is absolutely opposed to continuing that type of welfare. Yeah, I mean, most successful people have had to rebound from some failure or from mm-hmm. some adversity. If you hear highly successful people talk about their journey to success or the pursuit of success, it's usually rooted in some type of failure and, and in some type of adversity. And I think that's something that is overlooked. People have to experience that sometimes to break the mold. You know, our company at Matrix is pretty successful because I spend most of my time trying to inspire the people who work for me regardless of their political views, to just become the best of them they're capable of becoming. Because hence, then things begin to happen for them in a positive way. And real quick, before we go to the break, Mm -hmm. I want to say hello to Rick Coletti. Rick, thanks for being here with us. Uh, Pleasure to be here, Nick. Thanks for having me. Rick, so you, uh, we're going to talk with you later in 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 a segment here coming up more in depth about Coletti's restaurant and, you know, the the history and the legacy of Coletti's and just the whole story there is going to be amazing. What does the American dream mean to you, Rick? Well, uh, the American dream to me is a set of ideals where freedom permits, where freedom permits you the opportunity through hard work for wealth and, par- and prosperity in a free society. Uh, hard work kind of equates with the American dream for me. Four generations in 75 years is proof. Yeah, and you guys have some amazing food there at Coletti's too, which doesn't hurt. Oh, thanks. I do appreciate that. Uh, you know, I got the free T-shirt for coming on the show with you, Nick, but you also promised some baked clams, <laughs> well, which we're did have not to have, materialize. Let's place an order for delivery. <laughs> Rocky Cluddy, if you're listening, can you pack up some clams, please? And send some ribs, too. <laughs> oh yeah. Can goodness. we eat in the studio here? Is that okay? <laughs> no one will mind, will they? It's the weekend. Yeah. Nobody's here to police it up. Got a talented uh, set of chefs over there to be happy to deliver. All right, listen. The narrative that suggests that this is not the greatest nation in the world is a narrative that we need to have more discussion around. After the break, we're going to have an amazing guest joining us, a guest that fled communism, came here from Eastern Europe to pursue the American dream. We're going to be talking with him about his experiences coming from where he came from and then landing here in America and living the American dream today. Don't go anywhere. You listen to AM560, The Answer is Black and Right. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer.
Welcome back to AM560, The Answers Black and Right. I am your guest host for today, Nick Richmond, joined by my co-host, Jeannie Ives, live in the studio from Elk Grove Village. We are reaching Laszlo, working on getting Laszlo on the line. He will be joining us. But we're having a little bit of a, a challenge reaching him. So we're going to start with some dialogue between someone who I know quite well who's with us in the studio today, Rick Coletti. I've known Rick for 16 years. Incidentally, Nicole Coletti, now Nicole Richmond, is my wife. So typically, I call this man over here Dad. So if you're listening and you hear me calling him Dad, now you understand why. Rick, thanks for being here with us. Again, Nick's happy to be here. So we heard what you had to say about the American dream. Let's kind of take it back to the beginning. Coletti's Restaurante has been around for four generations since the 1940s. Tell us about your grandfather's journey to America. What brought him here? What prompted him to start Coletti's? Tell us the story. Well, he uh, migrated from uh, southern Italy uh, in the 30s and uh, made his way into New York and uh, spent a little time in New York. And in, uh, in the early 40s, he made himself, he made his way to Chicago on the northwest side of Chicago. He, uh, he purchased a, uh, a, a lounge. It was called El Centro Lounge, and it was right on the corner of Elston and Central, a small place. And, um, you know, he, he had a small kitchen and a bar, and uh, we served food to the, lo- to the uh, local residents. And um, from there, it just became, you know, bigger by the, you know, by the, almost by the decade. Uh, shortly after his uh, two sons, Rocco and Dominic, my, my father, Rocco, and my uncle, Dominic, were, in, were involved with the restaurant. And uh, they added a dining room and a big parking facility. And uh, the, the place just over the years became pretty big. Uh, after them, it, it was my brother, Bob, and I. And um, and my son Rocco joined us, and uh, you know, we added banquet facilities, outdoor patios. So the the place became a uh, you know, quite a, a an attraction for the northwest side uh, you know, community as well as surrounding uh, suburbs. Um, you know, when we started off as just a bar and a pizzeria, and uh, now we're you know full service. We do banquets and catering, and we have a full service menu. And people ask me what is the uh, what is your specialty? And my and what I say constantly is great food across the board. Although we do have uh, great the award winning ribs and the trademark roasted chicken, as well as the great shrimp scampi. So what else do you want me to tell you? Making uh, me hungry over here. Yeah, yes. but I just you know our my story includes the fact of uh, of four generations in seventy five years. We're celebrating our seventy fifth year uh, as we speak. Congratulations! Um, thank you. And uh, and now it's uh, I'm trying to uh, get my son groomed, and he's been with us for about 15 years. And uh, I want to have afford him every opportunity that I had to experience this American dream because it's certainly what it is. But it also comes with a lot of hard work. What was life like, Dad, growing up in the restaurant business? When did you begin working in the restaurant? Just tell us a little bit about life growing up in the restaurant business. Well. Me personally, I started working in a restaurant when I was about 14. Uh, cleaning first, busboy after that, uh, you know, bartending, you name it, washing dishes. I was a chef there for you know, the greater part of 20 years. Um, but, yeah, again, it, it, very uh, rewarding, uh, great people, great employees. A lot of my employees have been with me for as long as I've been. Uh, very fortunate in that fact. Uh, even now with this uh, pandemic, uh, yeah, I'm still 
in a better position than most restaurants, well, uh, even though we are off about 15% in employees. We're always looking. Yeah. Rick, that is that is my actually, that is the question of the, the day, honestly. What's happening with your employees who largely have stayed home? Uh, they're getting plussed up unemployment still. Mm-hmm. Uh, Illinois is certainly a, suffering from this. The Wall Street Journal had a very prominent article that they talked about. Uh, you know, the tale of two uh, states concerning the pandemic. You've got a whole bunch of red states that are fully recovered from their unemployment. And of course, you've got the highest unemployment is all run by Democrats. Connecticut at 7.9 percent, New Mexico, 7.9 percent, Nevada, 7.8, California, 7.7, Hawaii, 7.7, New York, New Jersey, then Illinois, 7.2 percent. I mean, that rounds out the, 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 the top unemployment states. And I mean, they go on to literally say Hawaii, Nevada rely on tourism, which will take time to fully bounce back. But what's Illinois' excuse? Other Midwest states have a mix of agriculture and manufacturing and unemployment rates near what they were at the end of President Obama's second term. That includes Wisconsin, Indiana, Missouri and Kentucky. So, I mean, we know that we have an unemployment problem. Part of it is we're losing employees to other states. Uh, Part of it is that we are a very generous state when it comes to unemployment benefits and other benefits. And so people are staying home, and I hear it from all over. I mean, the fact that restaurants are posting signs saying, be patient with this, we don't have the staffing. I mean, what is going on in your in the industry? It's really, it was getting back on its feet, and now it's really hard to service all your customers. Well, great the great point, Jeannie, and we're not immune from that as <clears throat> either. Um, it has been a, uh, you know, a real challenge to uh, keep the place staffed. Um, again, I'm fortunate that I have a, uh, you know, a, a core crew of uh, very loyal um, employees that, uh, you know, that carry us, even though they're doing sometimes a job of two or three people. Uh, all, but I, I really don't have an answer of why. I mean, other than the fact that they're, that they're receiving entitlements and uh, many people in the restaurant business are, you know, they don't make $17, $18 an hour as, as, a, as a rule. And, uh, you know, that's what they're evidently uh, uh, receiving through benefits uh, to stay home. So, I mean, other than that, I, I really don't have an answer for you. I'm hoping that uh, come the end of these uh, entitlements in September that, uh, you know, that the working crew you know, did you, comes back around. Did you feel, though, I mean, do you think, think back to April 2020, mm-hmm. many, many, I talked to many restaurant owners, and they were devastated, did not see relief in sight, thought that their dream their their business that they had been supporting for decades was was really going to be lost due to simply a government picking and choosing who could stay open, who couldn't. I mean, this is the antithesis of the American dream. This is government saying you can and cannot operate. I mean, so you weathered that storm, but quite a few. Do you what other what business owners do you know in your around you that just couldn't make it? Many, many. I don't want to name names, but we did manage to stay open. Uh, mm-hmm. My brother and I were on uh, thin ice as well. Uh, you know, it, uh, we were fortunate to get that PPP loan that kind of helped us out. But I did keep the greater majority of my staff working. Uh, I was uh, fortunate to have our takeout and delivery uh, that actually, you know, we, we've probably increased our database by 30% because of COVID. You remember who suggested you, you offer free delivery, right? Oh, would, would that have been you, Nick? As a matter of fact, I've gotten a lot of good ideas out of my out of my son-in-law. Huh. So yes, he did, and we and we did do that. We uh, we offered free delivery, and the phones kept ringing. So that was fortunate. So I had a lot of the the servers and the uh, cooks working the carryout, uh, but I also had the rest of the the people. I had them employed 
doing uh, like deep cleaning and and preventive maintenance. Uh, you know, I even had them you know, painting the parking blocks out in the parking lot. I found jobs. I had a list for things to do those first three months when when we were not. Uh, you know, able to open other than take the out government delivery. destroyed other people's American dream mm-hmm. in that moment. They did. Yeah, they literally crushed other people's American dream. Yes, they did. Well, and there, many weren't able to adjust and they were rattled to the point where they were paralyzed. And mm-hmm. I commend you, Rick, for what you did to keep your business afloat. And then you know, now let's talk real briefly, because I experienced this in my business as well. We had to navigate through that shutdown. I own a large remodeling company in several mm-hmm. states. We couldn't work. We couldn't go out and sell. It was crazy. We made adjustments. Now that things are getting somewhat back to normal, business is booming. We cannot keep up with the demand. I see the same thing now in the restaurant business. Any decent restaurant now is packed. But unfortunately, that demand is colliding with the lack of people wanting to work and, and lack of, of, of materials and goods that you need to get that you can't get. You can't even get bone-in chicken wings right now. You are right. Tell yes. us about that, Dad. You are right about that, <laughs> Nick. Um, you hit it spot on. Uh, it, the COVID has uh, created a, a lot of, uh, of uh, problems for us in the industry. Um, as you said, I mean, just acquiring products, the cost of goods, I mean, the oil, which you see at the gas pump, uh, we're paying double just to, just to fill our uh, pressure fryers with oil, mm-hmm. uh, make salads for salad oil. Every, all the oils have, have doubled as well as many other core goods, and that's if you can even get your hands on them. So I mean, uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a, a, a like a, a test. I mean, and and it's easily to see why some people you know threw in the towel or well that know. test that test has made you stronger, and I'm I'm very hopeful and confident that people will come back to work, and they'll latch on to the American dream. Hopefully, learn from you like I've learned from you. So great talking, Rick. Stay with us, AM five sixty radio. You're listening to Black and Right. Don't go anywhere. And now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Good afternoon, happy Saturday. Welcome back to AM560, The Answer's Black and Right. I am your stand-in host, Nick Richmond, joined by my co-host, Jeannie Ives, and my father-in-law, Rick Coletti of Coletti's Restaurante. There was a quote I found from Soviet Premier... Nikita Khrushchev. His quote states, We will take America without firing a shot. We will bury you. We can't expect the American people to jump from capitalism to communism, but we can assist their elected leaders in giving them small doses of socialism until one day they awaken to find they have communism. We do not have to invade the United States. We will destroy them from within. That's a chilling quote. And unfortunately, we're unable to reach Laszlo, who had an amazing story to tell. But I'm asking mm-hmm. of all of our listeners, if you immigrated from a, from a different place to come here and to pursue the American dream, I'd love for you to call in and tell your story. If you're listening, dial 312-642-5600, 312-642-5600. And if you fled a nation that was socialist, communist, and you came here, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. So please call in. Well, and there's plenty of them out there that have uh, come from a communist country. I, you know, I think most people understand that we're the largest uh, community of Polish people outside of Poland, right here in the Chicago area as well. So, uh, you know, we are uh, very much a, a still a nation that uh, welcomes uh, legal immigrants 
from across the world uh, that, you know, there's a but you know, it is a problem here. I will tell you this, you know, the, the, the plight of the Cubans right now. Uh, everybody thinks that they're screaming because they don't have the medicine. But then actually they're in the streets calling for freedom down with communism. Uh, you know, they're doing whatever they possibly can now to raise a ruckus. And this will be Joe Biden's defining moment, in my opinion, in his it will set his legacy. He is either going to do take action that supports the freedom fighters in Cuba or he's going to deny them the support that they need. This is his Reagan moment. Mm hmm. This is his end of the Cold War with with Cuba 90 miles off of our shore or not. That is what we're talking about. It looks like we have Laszlo with us. Oh, that'd be great. Laszlo. Okay, he hung up. We're going to get him back. Whether it's this segment or the next one, we're going to get him back. Because here's my, here's my hope for sharing a conversation with Laszlo or anyone uh, who has fled communism. I... I think throughout my whole life have learned most of what I've learned through experience. I, yes, I read, I study, but I experience. And it's, there's a lot of people throwing around backseat drivers talking about socialism, communism, what that looks like. But who better to talk to than someone who came from a communist nation that experienced the transition from freedom to communism mm-hmm. and to hear and see if there's actually some truth behind the fact that we can liken a lot of what we're seeing here in America now to those experiences. And so I believe we have Laszlo with us now. Laszlo, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. Genuine pleasure to be here. Awesome. Laszlo, where did you come from yes, and what brought you to America? Well, uh, I escaped the communist workers' paradise of Hungary in 1977, July 25th. So tomorrow is an anniversary day. I call it the departure day celebration. And what, what brought me here? Uh, very simply, uh, the total uh, lack of uh, prosperity and uh, even any type of, any type of standard living uh, conditions one is used to or one is expecting, uh, namely lodging. Uh, uh, everybody lived in, or not everybody, but 99% of the people lived in government and built, sponsored, and maintain the uh, apartments. And uh, if you had five kids, you could get an apartment uh, within one year. If you don't have a kid, you should have waited uh, 20 years. Laszlo. And, yes, sir. We're gonna, we might hold you over to, to the next segment so we can talk more. We have just a few minutes before the next break, but I, I want to, if you can touch on briefly for us, what were the, the patterns you saw, uh, what were the warning signs over there in Hungary, and how can you liken that to what we're seeing here now in America? Right, right, right. Uh, the total control of the media, that's number one. Uh, the control of what you can listen to, what you can read. Uh, Radio Free Europe was a big thing in, uh, over there, but uh, uh, the Chinese government had all kinds of uh, stations to try to suppress uh, radio Free Europe. So, no freedom of speech, uh, no freedom of even thinking. Uh, and that's what I'm seeing here lately in the Binder, uh, Biden administration and, uh, and, and even, even before that under Mr. Obama. So, uh, the, the, the division of the nation 
back then there were uh, capitalists or kulaks. Uh, here we have blacks and whites and uh, yes, Laszlo. We got to head to break, but I want you to stay on the line. We're going to hold you over because I want to hear more. I think this is a hard hitting subject. Someone like yourself who has the experience, the knowledge. People need to hear from you. They need to hear your story. I want to expound more on that. You listen to AM five sixty. The answer is black and right. We're with Laszlo talking about all things American dream. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Now return to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. Here's John Anthony. Welcome back to AM560's Black and White. Happy anniversary, John Anthony and Deborah. I'm joined in studio with my amazing co-host, Jeannie Ives, as well as a legend mm-hmm. in the hospitality business, owner-operator of Coletti's Restaurante, a restaurant that's been around for four generations. We just heard a little bit about the history of Coletti's from, from Rick. And now we're joined by Laszlo. And again, back to experiences, just using common sense to piece things together, to form my perception, my opinion. I try to root that in fact, but I also look around and and make some of my own decisions based on some of the things that I see. I see millions of people clamoring still to get into the United States, running from countries that could become what this country is heading towards if we don't make some changes and create dialogue with people and educate them because many need to be educated just on the basic fundamentals, fundamentals that should be embraced by everyone. And so we have Laszlo on the phone. And Laszlo, we all have questions for you. Thanks for being with us. I know you're busy right now. Tell, where are you, Laszlo? Well, I am at this wonderful place called Ashkash, Wisconsin, at the EAA, uh, oh, yeah. EAA History Museum. That's awesome. Wonderful. Hey, Laszlo, it's Jeannie Ives here. Listen, uh, there's a, a group called uh, Freedom House. It's a nonpartisan organization de- dedicated to promoting freedom and democracy. And they just put out a recent report that was uh, in the Wall Street Journal that freedom across the globe has declined for 15 straight years, a trend that accelerated last year. Now, your and it also specifically says it's across a swath of Central Europe and Central Asia in particular. A total of 18 countries suffered declines in democratic trends last year, while only six of those regions saw improvement. Um, it seems to me, though, that your the country that you fled is now pretty much embraced democracy, or is that not true? Are they part of this Central European trend away from democracy? Yeah, it's a fine point. Uh, Ultimately, Hungary has improved significantly as compared to where it was prior to the demise of uh, socialism 1989, thanks to Mr. Reagan. But uh, uh, the regulations are still enormous, uh, uh, ten years ago, I wanted to open up a business over there, and I decided not to because uh, there were so many regulations requiring me to have X number of dollars or equivalent of X number of dollars as a as a as a sporting capital for a service business. It didn't make any sense. Uh, there are additional new regs. Uh, you know that you have to carry an ID with you at all times in Europe. Hungary is no different mm-hmm. now. And and wherever you are, uh, the cop can, uh, any cop can walk up to you and uh, say, you citizen, identify yourself. And if you don't, 
because you don't have the paper with you, uh, uh, you could be in serious trouble. Now, they added a new document you need to carry with you at all times, which is called your address document. <laughs> so this is a separate uh, little card like a driver's license, which shows that, yes, I live in this street and this particular house. So uh, if anything, the regulations became more complex, uh, more cumbersome, although all in all, uh, it has improved significantly as compared to the past. So this is a little bit scary to me because it appears that even though they, you know they fought, for, they they did earn their their liberation uh, with the fall of the wall and eighty nine happening. But once you have an entrenched bureaucracy and a culture that supports that, if you it is very hard to get away from that. And I, that, that, that's my fear in America. The more you entrench the bureaucracy comes and the culture accepts it without pushing back the worse it will be. And I think that's more of a threat to, uh, of anything that I see in America. And instead of having like these little fiefdoms of Hungary or um, Czechoslovakia at that point in time, now it's two different countries, of course. But at that time, um, you now have a sort of a global view of, of the economy and governance and climate standards and all this other stuff. And so you've got this global bureaucracy trying to usurp American ideas. And and if we allow that to be entrenched, how do we get away from that? How do we pull back? This is a very, very, very tough point uh, uh, because the the commies are good in one thing or the lefties are good in one thing, get into power using any any means, including legal means. And they are even better in maintaining that power once they got to the point where they control everything. So, uh, unfortunately, at that point, uh, uh, drastic measures would need to be taken, which may not even uh, exclude uh, a revolt, a revolt, because there is no other way to get rid of the, uh, the lefties and commies. They, they will never give it up on their own. It has never happened, ever. Laszlo, while we have about 30 more seconds or so, <laughs> Tell us in 30 yes, seconds sir. or less, what does the American dream mean to you? And, and I guess, oh my gosh. tell us real briefly about what you've accomplished. Yes, sir. Uh, the American dream is freedom. First and foremost, freedom. What does it mean? Uh, you make, make your own decisions where you want to live, where you want to work, what you want to do in your spare time, where are you going. You can travel. That's all freedom. So uh, to me, that's the biggest thing. Uh, uh, the U.S. represents, which is not comparable to any other country in the world. Now, what I accomplished is not a big deal. I, uh, uh, you know, it's amazing what you can do working 60, 80 hours a week on your own volition. Thank so, you, Laszlo. Uh, I accept. Laszlo, we got to go to break. Uh, yes, Th- thank you for being with us, Laszlo. Thank you for your courage. And uh, God bless America, Laszlo. Thanks for being on the show. Roger, thank you very much. Don't don't go anywhere. When we get back, we're going to get into the subject of law and order. Freedom cannot exist without law and order. Don't go anywhere. You'll listen to AM560, The Answers, Black and Right. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. 
Welcome back to AM560 The Answer. Listening to Black and Right, I'm joined live in studio from Elk Grove Village with Jeannie Ives and Rick Coletti. We're talking all about the American dream. And freedom cannot survive absent of law and order. Straight out of the Marxist playbook is that law and order is a weapon of the ruling class to be used in the class struggle. I believe Ronald Reagan said it best when he proclaimed that we must reject the idea that every time a law is broken, society is guilty rather than the lawbreaker. And one of the fundamentals of the American dream is respect and admiration for law and order. Now, we have a woman on the line, an amazing, powerful, well-spoken woman, Amber Dobson Oberheim, who not too long ago, just a few months back, lost her husband, Christopher, in the line of duty. And they had four, they have four daughters. And she's taken that pain, that frustration, that adversity, and she's putting it into an advocacy group, Peacemaker 703. And I think today's show is great because we have Jeannie Ives here and what she advocates for. Now we have Amber with us from Peacemaker 703. I think there's a great alignment there. Thank you for being with us, Amber. Thank you very much, Nick, for, for having me and inviting me back to the show. I'm excited about, uh, about the things that are coming up. So, Amber, and, and probably like with Laszlo, I'd love to hold you over to the next segment as well because I think we have a lot to talk about. But looking into the past, because we talked on the phone last week or earlier this week, I should say, and you know, I kind of felt that, that a lot of what's going on now in your life started before that tragic day with what you were experiencing and what your family was experiencing, being a part of, of the police family, right? Tell us a little bit about life before that, before that tragic day. Well, Nick, life, life before May 19th for the Oberheim family was probably a pretty typical, uh, life for a busy family. I, uh, you know, I work full-time during the day and Chris worked full-time at night and we have four very busy, active kids. And so we were just kind of walking our way through every daily routine. Um, you know, being, uh, being parents and, and, uh, and wife and husband to each other and probably being caught up in just the busyness of life. Um, definitely, noticed that uh, over the course of the last year, maybe two years, for Chris, there has been a change in, you know, his job and the way that, that, that he does his job as an officer. But, you know, the Oberheim family was, a, was a, just a very busy family, um, kind of just making our way through life, uh, enjoying every day as much as we could, but being being extremely busy, right? Um I think that uh, Chris had a duty. Um, he, he was a very committed man when it came to his job. And um, despite some of the things that have happened over the course of the last few years that have made that more difficult, he continued to be a faithful servant. And from our conversation, you, you had mentioned that Christopher's approach was that, you know, you didn't want to be too loud about the fact that, that and maybe I, I don't want to, I hope I didn't misinterpret that, but you'd shared some things no, with not. me that, you know, he was worried that you may become a target and, you know, tell us about that. Yeah. So when our oldest daughter 
turned 16, she very proudly wanted to put a thin blue line sticker on the back of her car. And Chris was not okay with that. So hold that thought because we're going to, I'm sorry, we're running into a break here, but that's, this is a very important part of the discussion is, you know, how you felt in that moment and now how you feel and how you're taking that, which was probably somewhat suppressed. it, It seems like the lid's been blown off. And, you know, I want, I want to hear all about Peacemaker 703. Don't go, anyone, don't go anywhere. We're talking with Amber Oberheim. You listen to AM560, The Answer is Black and Right. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Coming in hot. Live in studio, Elk Grove Village, AM560, The Answer is Black and Right. I'm joined by my co-host, Jeannie Ives, and Richard Coletti. And before the break, we were speaking with Amber, and we're going to talk a little more about... uh, what she's doing now with Peacemaker 703, Amber lost her husband, Christopher, in the line of duty. He was a law officer in Champaign. And prior to getting to know Amber, I had it in my mind that I was going to craft a T-shirt with a slogan that I love. I bought one of these shirts off. I forget where I bought it from, but I bought one of these six months ago. And it says, the American dream is not a handout. So for those who are watching I'm holding it up right now. The American dream is not a handout. I got a lot of positive feedback about that shirt. People were asking me, where'd you get it? Where do I buy one? Are you selling them? I just didn't like the cotton. You know, it was like the cheap uh, cardboard feeling cotton. Oh, yeah. They weren't the greatest quality. So I said, well, if I'm going to make these shirts and, and actually sell them, I need to find a good quality, soft cotton T-shirt that someone would actually want to wear. So I found the shirt, had them made with the goal of donating the proceeds to a cause that I believe lines up with the slogan, the American dream is not a handout. So I asked around to find the right cause. And that was when John Anthony connected me with Amber and there couldn't be a better fit and a better place to point those funds. So for everyone listening, if you go to the American dream the American dream and you purchase one of these great t-shirts, those proceeds will be going to, um, Amber uh, Dobson Oberheim, Peacemaker 703. And welcome back, Amber. Thanks, Nick. Amber, it looks like you could uh, use the support, too. You've got a very busy schedule already. I was looking through your 703 Facebook page, page, and you've got a a big family celebration coming up August 7th um, just to support police, show the support of the community for police. Uh, Wow, what a difference between champagne and chicken. Chicago in this respect. So we applaud you. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I, this is something, do you want to talk a little bit more about your event and, and what it's all about? Sure. So uh, the event that we are, are hosting and have spearheaded is on August 7th, and it is a an honor celebration and parade. And that is for our police, our fire firemen, our first responders, EMS, dispatch, and veterans. And it's a way that our community can return 
the love, the respect, and the appreciation to the people who protect and serve us every day. It's amazing, though. You've put this together just a mere two and a half months after your husband was, you know, killed in the line of duty uh, by a perpetrator uh, who should have no respect. And yet the, the state rep that represents you uh, gave him some respect on the House floor, which is was despicable and largely, uh, sh- uh, you know, uh, decried by on both sides of the aisle, which is the right thing to do. But in two and a half months, you you've just. You, you you must feel such a sense of, um, I don't know, need to, to fight back against this culture that is anti-police and, and to show that it's the police who really are going to absolutely protect the American dream when it comes down to it. Absolutely. I would say within days of my husband's passing, I felt a very restless need to support our brothers and sisters in uniform. And that's really what prompted the development of our Peacemaker Project 703 Foundation. Uh, It became very clear that our vision needed to be, uh, they they needed to have the backing um, to promote our nation's positive regard and respect for law enforcement. Um, Through that foundation, we have a mission to proactively support law enforcement officers and their families through things like community outreach, reform, and education. And we intend to do that. And yes, things are busy. The support is, has been amazing. Um, I believe that the silent majority is no longer going to be silent. We are giving them permission to speak out on behalf of law enforcement and first responders but especially law enforcement, because that's where the polarization seems to be. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm sick of it. I found my voice, and I will continue to use it in, uh, in my husband's honor to, to respect uh, his brothers and sisters in uniform. That's just, that's beautiful. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's un- you know, I would wish that more people would find their voices uh, in, in this regard. And I, I, the, the problem that we have in politics and in, in policy making, I believe, is firmly rooted in the fact that you have folks making decisions on other people's careers and businesses and families uh, who have no interest in finding out how those actually operate in a real sense. They don't understand the dangers Involved with policing, uh, simply a pullover can result in, you know, a, a police officer losing his life. And and I, I think if, and this criminal, the Criminal Justice Reform Act that was signed earlier or that was actually put in place, uh, you know, at the dark of night in Springfield and then was signed into law and now is getting modified because, oh, we didn't know what the unintended consequences would be. Well, they do this all the time. They assume that they know what it's like to be a police officer, having no actual knowledge of what it takes, uh, what they're faced with on the street. And, and, and so anytime we can actually have better conversations about what's happening in policing, uh, we, we're going to be better off. So hopefully Peacemaker 703 is, is headed in having those types of conversations with legislators who are making decisions for, uh, on issues that they know nothing about. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, part, of our, part of our action 
from the foundation is to educate those exact people, uh, not only our legislators and lawmakers, but also but also our media. Um, and so we, we are taking action on that. Actually, we, we have a, a training set up with a, a simulator and uh, hopefully being able to put some of those people in a situation where they can experience a fraction of what it might be like to be an officer, to be in their shoes, to have to make those split second decisions. And so we are excited about that. Have you um, been in a simulator? Cause I have been in a simulator, five screens, yes. surround sound. It is intimidating. Your heart rate goes way up. Uh, it's still, you know, it's a simulator, but you are really engaged in the scenario going before you. And it is, intense it is a very intense experience and and you're right uh legislators should have to go through that yeah i I, and i have experienced that and i agree with you a hundred percent i would also like to start to see more legislators and lawmakers do ride-alongs with some of the officers that they represent in the communities in which you know they represent i think that would be a hugely eye-opening experience for uh people who make decisions and and really should be necessary Mm -hmm. Jeannie. Or Amber, my apologies. Thank you for your yeah. courage, your strength, and for what you're doing. You know, I, we're here talking about the American dream today, all things that predicate around the American dream. And, you know, law and order is certainly a fundamental of protecting our freedom. And we just appreciate what you're doing. What do, what do you need from our listening audience? What can we do to help? So Peacemaker Project 703 has a Facebook page. Um, we are on the cusp of releasing our website. Um, I I think my first ask would be that if you see an officer, um, pay your respects, say thank you, you know, buy a meal, a drink, whatever it is, just show them that they're appreciated. Secondly, from the foundation, we are getting ready to uh, put out a volunteer uh, application. So if you're interested in, in volunteering, that would be great. We do have a uh, PayPal link for donation and uh, being able to accept that as well. Um, our foundation has lots and lots in store and, and we're really excited to be, be able to start sharing some of that, but we know that we wouldn't be able to represent and advocate for our, our, our officers and their families without support of, of people who feel the same way that we do. And so it is with great, um, humility uh that i i receive all of the support that we that we have received not only personally but also as a result of this foundation um i would ask that people start using their voices um words we plan to turn to action and once we have action we plan to see results and so without our voices we can't Mm -hmm. proceed to acting and so please Please, if you have that uh, that desire to speak out in support of law enforcement, please do that. Amber, thank you for joining us. We will be following you. Don't go anywhere. because My we re- pleasure. Don't go anywhere. When we return, we're going to be speaking to another person who was very close to me throughout my childhood, a reverend that has served as a reverend for 40 years. We're going to be talking about the assault on Christianity and how that matters to preserving the American dream. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to AM560, The Answer is Black and Right. Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Yeah, let's get it. 
Welcome back to AM 560. The answer is black and right. I'm joined in studio by my co-host, Jeannie Ives, my father-in-law, Rick Coletti, who failed to bring the clams and the pizza. It's not shown up yet. We're going to go straight we to Coletti's. we got to give that some this. time. <laughs> Everybody meet at Coletti's. Dinner on Rick. Perfect. You know, the next guest we have, I'm, I'm really excited about this segment. And in preparation for the show, I did a lot of studying and revisiting simple things like the Declaration of Independence as an example. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it jumped off the page to me that the Declaration proclaims that we shall be granted unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard it pronounced inalienable. I've heard it pronounced unleanable. I've heard people talk about it being unleanable, if everyone out there listening knows what a lean is. It cannot be taken away. And those rights were bestowed upon us by our creator. And I think many people believe that a document or a government grants them freedom. And that's not true. Our creator gifts us freedom. Our government's job is to protect and preserve that freedom. And it's our job to hold them accountable to doing so. No, no, no. The Democrat majorities decide if you're free or not. You know, this is 17 months of tyranny now under Governor Pritzker, who just extended his, quote unquote, 30 day disaster declarations over covid. So he just yesterday, today, actually, his 16th expansion of that 16th month of 30 day covid rules, executive orders ended today but yesterday he extended it again until august 21st so it's governor pritzker who grants your freedom remember the purpose of today's show is to motivate people who are listening to have a dialogue with someone that may disagree and i really think that's why i'm here is i want to motivate people and i began reading a book called we will not be silenced by erwin lutzer i was trying to get erwin on the show he couldn't join us but this book talks all about culture's assault on christianity and how that matters to the american dream the, the Marxism playbook, okay, which is essentially what we're seeing with this assault on Christianity. So I called someone who's near and dear to me. I was really lucky. I grew up in Flint, Michigan. You talk about privilege. I mean, I grew up in a blue-collar, broken home. It was a difficult environment to grow up in. It, we talked about law and order. We were down to seven you police officers. You didn't build that, though, your business. I get frustrated for a reason because I had to work for everything I have, and there were certain principles and fundamentals that if I didn't subscribe to those things, I'd still be back in Flint. Not according to Barack Obama, you did not build it. Okay, well, the good news is I surrounded myself by great people. And one of those great, great peoples is my, uh, my, one of my, my best friend growing up. Now he's a partner of mine in my business. He runs our oh. Detroit office. He's a very important part of our business. His father, Reverend James Keller, was like a father to me growing up. He's with us on the line to talk all about the assault on Christianity and how that matters to the American dream. I want to get your perspective. Reverend Keller, thank you for being with us. Hey, I'm glad, Nick, to be here. Jeannie, I just want you to know, I knew that guy when he was about 12 years old, and there's more to this story. (laughs) Okay, well, we want to hear that, too. I don't know if I have time for that one, but um, it's my honor to be with you folks today. Great. So So you want to talk about unalienable rights and the constitutional, the foundation of it? I want to understand your you know, what that means to you. And then I also want to understand what it means that, that these rights were gifted to us by our creator. Yeah. The, the early founders, I've done some homework on this and the early founders uh, looked at that terminology as rights that we were born with given by God 
uh, not capable of being taken away, innate in us as human beings. Uh, one of the founding fathers, Thomas Paine, said they distinguish us from the herd of common animals. And I thought that was interesting about inalienable rights. But the the whole context for that has to do with the world view of all the founding fathers and the people that contributed to the the assembly of the of our founding documents, primarily the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and so on. And these men, these men were a lot of them were very devout men of God. You know, we learn about them, and you jump in anytime you want. But I think this is foundation to this. We learned that uh, just about all 55 of the writers and signers of the original Constitution were members of Christian denominations. 52. Except for one. Yeah. uh, Except for one, uh, Benjamin Franklin, who was was still a very, um, he had a deep belief in the Bible as the Word of God, and uh, he also had a good friend in George Whitfield, who was a, uh, a famous revivalist preacher, itinerant preacher there in the 18th century. And so, but all of these guys had, had training and knowledge of the biblical record. And uh, so when they wrote these documents, it just came out of them. It was what we call today their worldview their whole uh, set of values and beliefs was embedded into the way they thought. And Reverend Keller, if if we're on to something here, which is that the American dream is under attack, we've been at war for quite some time, I believe it's a a global force that we're up against that's kind of laced in in Marxism. I guess talk talk to that. Uh, You know, the sequence of events we're seeing speak to how people are being silenced. Yeah. Yeah, the American dream. Um, It kind of came into existence, the terminology, in the early 30s. Guy wrote a book, and uh, it was to describe the land with better and more opportunity and all of the the privilege to own land, the privilege to excel in your your vocation and your job, to... Uh, receive a wage for a job that you did well done. So the American dream is, once again, it's part of the context of the documents that the founding fathers wrote uh, in, in their worldview, their, their, their view of creation, their, their view of the human nature, man's sinful nature, their view of salvation, the solution to our sin, and their view of the restoration of all of history, the restoration of the heavens and the earth. So these guys had this, their American dream was that people would be set free to worship as they chose to and, and to excel in their skills and, and, and their, uh, the different things that they learned how to do as they lived here on earth. Well, Reverend Keller, we've got a conundrum here then in the United States because um, that freedom is being eroded 
In fact, they, they want to erode your ability to actually practice your religion as you see fit. Uh, you, right. I mean, you've, you've got H.R. 5, which is just one of the most egregious pieces of legislation that stomps on, on um, actual um, religious rights. Uh, essentially, in the end, they take away uh, church's 501c3 status if you don't believe in the doctrines that they believe, whether it's uh, the LGBTQ um, decisions or, or, or anything like that. So uh, you, you've got this whole problem with H.R. 5 uh, that wants to shut down religion. You've got an, an additional problem that a plurality of people are headed to being part of the nuns, right? N-O-N-E-S, yeah. which is no religious mm-hmm. affiliation. You had 18 um, congressional folks uh, basically say that they have no religious affiliation. That's an astronomical number. You've got a, a caucus called the Free Thought Caucus. It's really the, uh, you know, it's really the Atheist Caucus. In mm-hmm. sitting there, they want to completely separate uh, the, the nation as a whole from any religious foundation whatsoever. We are in a crisis in terms of religion. And then on top of it, when the Catholic bishops started to basically say uh, to, and I'm Catholic, to, um, you know, Catholic politicians, uh, you know, our, when we talk about abortion, it actually means something. And uh, we expect you to adhere to that before prior to taking communion. You know, you had a whole group of Democrats ready to write a letter saying that they're also going to look at taking away some of their nonprofit status over that. I mean, this is this. They they don't understand literally our foundation. Reverend Keller, we have we have a break coming up, but we're going to we're going to have you stay with us. And I want to talk a little okay. bit about life. I want to talk about life. When does life begin? Don't go anywhere. We're going to get deep here with Reverend Jim, James Keller. You're listening to AM560, The Answers, Black and Right, live in the studio with a restaurateur, legend in the hospitality business, Mr. Rick Cletty, and an amazing woman, Jeannie Ives. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to AM560, The Answer's Black and Right. This is Nick Richmond, stand-in host for our good friend John Anthony. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jeannie Ives and Rick Coletti. And we're talking about all things American Dream. And we're hey, joined- Nick. Yes, sir. Hey, Nick. I wanted to share this in response to what Jeannie said before our break. Great. Go for it. And it, com- it comes from uh, Ronald Reagan. And in the early 80s, he was our pre- 40th president. He was president through most of the 80s. And uh, he's addressing how when the Supreme Court uh, took prayer and Bible reading out of the schools, and he said this. He said, since then, cases have been brought up to abolish the words under God from the Pledge of Allegiance and to remove in God we trust from public documents and from our currency. And here's the quote from Reagan that fits so well. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. So what happens to human culture when humans subtract God out of the equation? What happens? Here's what happens, and I gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through this rapidly. Great. If you take, if you take away the Creator— 
you take away the designer. If you take away the designer, you take away the design. If you take away the design, you take away order, intention, and purpose in nature. If you take away order, intention, and purpose, you take away the moral compass put in the very fiber of a human being. It's called the soul. If you take away the moral compass, you take away morals and morality. And if you take away morals and morality, you've taken away truth, absolutes, right and wrong, which the Bible explicitly lays out for us. And then if you take away truth, absolutes, right and wrong, you get what we've got going on now in our society, which you just referred to, Jeannie, uh, in all of the, in terms of what's happening to the traditional view of marriage and family, human sexuality, confusion and sexual abuse rampant, the sanctity of human life in the womb under continued attack law and order in our in our cities, which is scary. Our local governments are scrambling right now. I know they are here in Flint right now, scrambling for law and order. You've got rioting and the beginnings of anarchy, and we have a culture riddled with the substance abuse. So these are the kinds of things that are happening to, to human culture when you subtract God out of the equation. I have to say, when you were going through that litany of uh, items and how one, uh, you know, one confers the, the next step in the progression, right. I couldn't help but think of our public schools. First of all, you yeah. had in the suburbs of Chicago, we had multiple um, um, administrators uh, give the Pledge of Allegiance at graduation uh, ceremonies and intentionally leave out under God. Wow. I, yes, I, it's remarkable that the, they they did that, and um and and but then when you look at the public school systems, they they really are. There's no design about them. There's no beauty to them in in many cases. There's individual you know highlights. I would say I would I would I, you know I do think my, my kids go to a public school for high school. They went to Catholic school um, for the primary grades, uh, but. You know, for the most part, there is a coarsening of the curriculum. There mm-hmm. is a, I think, the, the teachers no longer feel like they have a moral authority to discuss morals at all with these the, the children. And so yeah. they're getting away with just anything goes. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, the public school situation to me is in crisis. The, this, I, the critical race theory is actually embedded in much of the stuff. They want to call it something else. Uh, they call it, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. They hide it in implicit bias training, which is happening in my own school district, which is happening elsewhere. And um, it's that's the substitution now for any religious foundation or. Um, natural law and, and you know that yes. derives itself from God. There's no discussion of that. Right. Well, when you when you subtract that out, it's almost like God says he he just leaves us to ourselves, and and then we lose all common sense. We lose all sense of wisdom and insight. We lose our sense of perspective and humankind, and we're watching our culture melt down. There's no common sense anymore. It just all kind of falls apart. 
and it and it's amazing. Everybody's talking about it, and you guys are hitting the nail on the head today in terms of what is going on. And uh, well, I tell you, you know, Nick, I don't know how far you want to go with this further, but I, I, uh, I just want you to know, from my perspective, we've got to we 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 understand that the history of the world. And the history of the United States is not an aimless, godless timeline of events with no hope. I want to get into what we're seeing globally. You had some amazing perspective on what we're seeing in other parts of the world. So I'm going to hold you over through this break, keep you for at least the first half of the next segment, because I want to hear more about that. And I think that'd be good for our listeners to hear, too. You're with uh, Nick, Jeannie, Rick, Reverend Keller, AM560, The Answers, Black and Right. Don't go anywhere. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to AM560, The Answer is Black and Right. I'm your stand-in host today with my co-host Jeannie Ives. This is Nick Richmond. We're also joined by Rick Coletti. And we have Reverend James Keller on the phone. And I wanted to give you, Reverend James Keller, just a, a couple minutes here before we bring our next guest on, but I wanted to make sure we touch on what's happening globally. You had some really interesting perspective in our last conversation and you were telling me about things that I had no idea were happening. So could you, could yeah. you speak to that? Yeah. Well, particularly in Africa, I follow closely the American center for law and justice, Jay Sokolow's organization. And, uh, and I have a personal friend. We have many personal friends in Nigeria, West Africa, but also in the countries of the Republic of the Congo in Mozambique and in northern Nigeria particularly, there is unbelievable uh, extermination and of, of Christians going on that is beyond our wildest nightmares that we could ever pull together. I, I can't say my friend's name in Nigeria, but he communicates with us regularly. We almost have a play-by-play of some of the things that are happening to the Christians in the northern villages, and dozens of villages have been completely dismantled. Um, uh, whole groups of children are being kidnapped and taken into Boko Haram's um, under their tutelage and what they do to change their minds and and torture them. I thought Michelle Obama solved that hashtag Bring the Girls Back sloganering. I thought yeah. I thought that solved everything. Yeah, well, I couldn't be more disgusted. Is my point? I just can't believe it. We 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 don't ever pay attention to this. We never discuss the the human rights violations going on. Um, And okay, I'm sorry, had to interrupt. Well, Reverend Keller, to wrap up because we do have another guest that's waiting to join us. But I I wanted to hear hear what you just mentioned. And I guess in 30 seconds or less, from your perspective, you know, where do we go from here? How do we combat this assault on Christianity? And and what can we do? Well, we've got to stand strong in our faith, number one. And your listeners, and many of them are Christians, people that follow Christ, uh, we understand that history revolves around Christ and his second coming. And there is a day in the future when he's coming back, and he's going to fix all of this, by the way. He came the first time at Christmas in the womb of, of the Mother Mary, and he's and he's given his life for us. He died on the cross for us. He rose from the grave, bodily rose from that grave. And his power works 
within us as we commit our lives to him and follow him. Now, in the end, he's going to come back again. He ascended into heaven, and it says in Acts 1, it says, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So he's coming back to fix this. It's not just the United States of America. It's around the whole world. Uh, People are crying out for Christ and his second coming. And in the end, there is hope. And he's just wanting people to know that no matter what we go through here on planet Earth, even in the United States of America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, it's supposed to be. And but, but there is a restoration coming in the end. History is not haphazard. It has a goal. And the goal is the restoration of all things as it's given to us in the Revelation 21, 1 through 8, where there's a new heaven and a new earth. There's a new Jerusalem, heaven coming down from above. God dwells with all of his people. There are no more tears of sorrow, no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. And he who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So, Nick, that's what I wanted everybody Amen to get. Amen to that. You, you know? Thank you for that. That's where and, we're and- at. Reverend Keller, I'm going to call you dad number two. Thank you, dad number two, for being here Your with son us. son number two that I never had. Well, I love you. Thank you for being with us. Love you too, Mick. Okay. Thank you, Jeannie. You bet. Thank you. Okay. So rolling forward, it's an action-packed show we have today. We're joined on the line by an American success story and a true example of what the American dream is all about. We're joined by Gary Rabine, who is an established business builder who started dozens of companies, mentored dozens of leaders, and is now running for the governor of Illinois. Thank you for being with us, Gary. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And Gary, we're going to have you through the next segment as well. We got about a minute 40, but just to kick this off, you know, share with us, what does the American dream mean to you and how do you plan to, to use your motivation to make a change in the state? You know, I, the American dream in, in Illinois has been abundant uh, for my career, and uh, I've been very blessed to, to build my you know first business here from the time I was 18, 18 years old to uh, many businesses in the last 20 years of my life, about 40-year career. And I've seen Illinois go to from a place that was the, the, really, really the best place in the middle of the country, in the middle of the greatest country in the world to start a business and grow a business to being the worst today. And so, you know, my goal is, you know, we're chasing families out of this state, whether it's job creation, job loss, jobs moving, or it's culture, you know, what we're doing to the family, or, you know, taxation. I mean, we're, we're just not, not doing well in any of those three. And my goal is to change that. So, I mean, I, I, I love this state, and my goal is for my grandkids and my kids to stay here and grow their families here. And the way it looks now, the way it's going, there's no way that, that they're staying All right, we're coming up to a break here, Gary. Stay with us because we do have some questions for you. We appreciate you being with us, by the way. And I'm really excited to talk more with our audience just about all that you've been through. You know, your successes, your failures, you're an example of what grit is all about. And that's what the state needs is grit. It needs leadership. 
that actually has proven that it's built something, led something, inspired something. And you have that, and I think it's amazing that you're running. I'm really, really looking forward to talking with you more after this break. Everyone, you're listening to AM560, The Answers, black and right. Don't go anywhere. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to AM560, The Answer. We're coming to you live from the studio in Elk Grove Village. I'm with Jeannie Ives and Rick Coletti, joined by Gary Rabine for governor. Gary, how do you win in a state where the electorate is not engaged? What is going to differentiate you, and, and what can you do to wake people up to policy change? So, I mean, I'm, I'm in all over the state, and I'm, and I'm getting you know, great feedback, and I, I really believe that many people on the left, center left are, are really you know, have come our way. They're, 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 they're going to they're gonna vote Republican. They're seeing this. Their they're Democratic Party being uh, really changed into a socialist party in, in many people's opinions, and I like what I'm hearing. I think there's more and more people that get it. They understand that the a- party of AOC is not their party. The party of uh, Lori Lightfoot is not their party. The party of J.B. Pritzker is not their party. Democrats have been Democrats for a long time. I started out the day in Rockford, Illinois today. I did a parade in Algonquin. I was in Elgin for a GOP festival there. Now I'm heading to Chicago. And everywhere I'm going, I don't care where I'm at in the state of Illinois, it's a lot of the same stuff over and over again that I'm hearing from, from you know, people that love this state, that love this country. And I'm telling you, that I'm, I'm, I'm praying every night, and I, think it, and I believe that you know, all of us should that, that to say, say that this, this state of Illinois and these, these Democrats have gone so far left that they're going to leave so many good people behind that are going to, they're, they're going to be Republicans in this next vote. Hey, Gary, it's Jeannie. You know, uh, I've been fighting the, these policy issues for a long time. Um, they don't care about taxes. If they cared about property taxes, they would have turned out the entire legislature a long time ago. If they cared about taxes at all, income taxes, uh, you would have seen Republicans lose largely their seats after voting for a 32% permanent tax increase in 2017 to end a budget uh, debacle. So it's not, so what's the issue? What's going to move these people? Because it's not taxes, I'm telling you right now. Well, I would say that uh, tax are a bigger part of it than you're saying. When I I talk to people across the state, if they they understand the comparison of tax, they were 300% of the average in in the country, they when they understand that they don't they don't understand they don't believe it in many cases and when they do know it they, they they're they're upset I mean again 300 percent of the average so the average is one point two percent of ever we're we're pushing three percent and we don't have exact numbers right now because you know 2020 isn't out there but 2019 we're 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 high twos and I believe with what's gone on in our in the increases in the last couple of years we're close to three so we're whether we're number one or number two in this in the country people are feeling that. But, but I believe that policing is, is, is that what we're doing to our police. Um, everywhere I go, people get that. They, they get the fact that we need we need to have real safe, you know safety and security in our streets. Without law, real law enforcement, we, you know, we, we, you know, there's no way families should want to be here. No way they're going to want they're, they're going to be here in the future to continue to beat up our policing system and, and our, our police is they're, they're, they're handcuffed um, as as they're handcuffing them now. You know, we're, we forget about taxes. People aren't going to be here very long. They're, they're not going to feel. Like they're, 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 the state cares about them at all, so I think it, I think it's I think taxes are a part of it. I think jobs. I mean, people are seeing jobs leave here in droves. You know, fifty thousand or so was the last last number we saw from 2019. Again, 
I mean, it, whether it's 50,000 or 60,000, it, it, it's sickening to see all these families broken up by, by cra- the craziness of, of high, you know, high tax on, on businesses, on jobs, the highest workers' compensation in the country. Um, you know, people, people are affected every day by, by family members and friends leaving the state. But, but Gary, that's uh, been the case. That, that's been the case now for seven years running at a minimum. So, um, I mean, I, I really do think it's like, do you really want Pritzker to turn Illinois into California? This used to be a really common sense, common sense Midwestern state. Not crazy, just common sense. Now you got crazy. Mm-hmm. You got crazy. Absolutely. And you got big government Absolutely. telling people what to do with their lives. And, and that's, that, I think, is the issue. But that's Thank me. you, Gary, for being with us. Thank you for joining us. You have my support. An entrepreneur, someone who understands the American dream. That's the representation we need here. Gary would be state. great. He'd be great as a uh, governor. And it was a great time here in the Peace. studio. Thanks for being with us, Gary. John Anthony, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, this was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. A lot of pressure. But I think we had a good time. Thank you for everyone for joining us. You'll listen to AM560, The Answers, Black and Right.